say for a lot of people in our culture, scripture is not the primary authority. Uh, did y'all know Billy Ray Cyrus was a on-the-street reporter? <laughs> they totally missed that at the 8.30 service. I was like, the hell? <laughs> well, uh, I'm James Michael Smith. I'm the pastor of discipleship here. And basically, I uh, work with all of the adult education, teaching classes, organizing small groups, things like that. And uh, I get the... the privilege of talking about authority today, and um, man, this is an amazing subject, but it's one that literally could take a whole year, and we still would be scratching the surface, so I got 30 minutes. Um, we, have, uh, we have a strange pastor, don't we, in my boss, Dalvin. Every Sunday, he does this thing where he lifts up this book, and he says something about it's our authority, and you know, it's why does he do that? Has anybody ever seen a United Methodist pastor ever do that in the pulpit? No. I'm a lifelong Methodist. I'm a preacher's kid, and I've never seen it. Uh, why do we do that? Why is Scripture our authority? Why does this, in this root that we're looking at, authority, why do we give it to this? 
We're going to look at that today, and before we do, let's pray. Lord, speak through your word today. Speak into the hearts of everybody here. Lord, thank you for getting us here safely, uh, despite the weather or any hang-ups that we may have had on the way. I ask that you would give us an experience of you through the spoken word, through the, the worship earlier, um, through everything, Lord. We give you today, and I pray that your word penetrate our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Authority. Authority of Scripture. What does that mean, authority of Scripture? Why do we give Scripture authority? What is the purpose in saying it's authoritative? How do we live that out? Well, what I want to look at right at the start is, following on this, the authority of Scripture does not mean that this that I'm holding is our authority. Okay? Now, before you leave or throw something, um, the authority of Scripture is a sort of a theological shorthand way of saying the authority of Jesus as communicated through the written word as communicated through the spoken word, apostles and prophets, as they were inspired by the Holy Spirit. And so the reason that we say Scripture is authoritative is because Scripture is inspired. I want to read, we're going to be working from three passages today, and usually if you've heard me teach or preach, I like to stick with one and get the main idea. But this is one that's a little bit bigger than just one passage because we're looking at a huge issue, which is the root of why we believe this. And so if you look in your, uh, your insert, there should have been a handout, and it's got the scripture we're going to look at. You can also turn to it in your Bible or Bibles under the seat. We're going to pull from three scriptures, two in the gospel, one in Paul's letter, that will hopefully help us kind of get a better grasp on why scripture is authoritative, or what it means to say it's inspired, and then why we as good shepherd believe what we do. First, Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. This is the last thing that Jesus says to his disciples in the book of Matthew. He's been crucified. He's risen from the dead. He appears to them, and he's about to give them the the final, guys, here are your marching orders. Get it done. Here you go. And send them out. And uh, look what he says. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always, to the very end of the age. All authority in heaven and on earth. Heaven and earth is a very Hebrew concept. It's a phrase in Hebrew. This New Testament was written in Greek, but the original spoken, what Jesus would have said, heaven and earth, means everything that ever existed and ever will exist. Heaven and earth is a short way of saying in Hebrew anything you can possibly imagine. And Jesus is saying all the authority everywhere that's ever been has now been given to me. So any basis for authority that we as Christians invest in Scripture is because Jesus himself is the giver of all authority. And he tells the disciples, go, teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. Look at the next passage on your handout, John 20. Again, after Jesus' resurrection, this is a little bit earlier, in, uh, right after his resurrection, and he appears to the disciples, 
On the evening of the first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. That would have been the furthest thing from peace, by the way, if I saw that. I said, Whoa, you just appeared. And the marks and everything. But Jesus comes and he says, Peace be with you. Then look what he says. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. In other words, okay, guys, you know the way I was sent? Okay, now I'm sending you that way. Just as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. We see the authority passed from God the Father to God the Son to his followers. And then look what he does. With that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Now, he breathed on them. What does that mean? Why would he breathe on them? Well, you've got to understand the world in which this was written. Breath in, in the ancient Near East was synonymous with life, with essence, with who you were. What did God do when he created the first man? Formed him from the dust of the earth, breathed into him. It says the man became a living soul. The word breath in Hebrew, ruach, is the same. It means breath, wind, spirit. It's all the same. Jesus said, receive the Holy Spirit, and he spirited on them, so to speak. Last passage we'll look at, and this is the one that we'll kind of stick around on for the rest of the talk, but this is the setup because all authority that Scripture has has got to come from the source of all authority, which is Jesus. Look what Paul's going to write. This is a couple of years after. He's going to write this to his young protege, a young pastor named Timothy. He's going to say in 2 Timothy 3.14, But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you learned it, and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is what? God-breathed. All Scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So, Scripture, if it has any authority, it's only because it's been given authority. And it's been given authority by the one who has all authority, and that's Jesus Christ. And so, before we unpack, because, because inspiration of Scripture, some of your passages, depending on your translation, when it says God breathed, some passages render that inspired. And we're going to talk about what that means, but... Before we do it, just a simple definition, again, to review is the authority of Scripture, the authority of Jesus communicated by prophets and apostles as inspired by the Holy Spirit. What is inspiration? What isn't inspiration? That's what we're going to look at first, because so many Christians and non-Christians have all kinds of understandings about what does it mean that Scripture is inspired. Uh, whether you're a believer, whether you're a non-believer, whatever the case People, we, we come to this subject with all kinds of baggage, whether we picked it up culturally, whether we've heard it from a preacher, whether we've read it in a religion class, somewhere. Well, we're going to look at four things that it's not. Uh, on the theologically liberal end, not politically, but theologically liberal, uh, there, there are mistakes that are made about the inspiration of Scripture. The first mistake is people say, well, Scripture's inspiring. No, Scripture is not inspiring. Um, a good movie, a good book, a nice painting, those are inspiring. Scripture is inspired. The difference is that one, 
if something's inspiring, that means we read and we say, oh, that makes me feel so good. Mm, mm. We do that Christian mm, thing. And uh, I'm so inspired to live a good life. Mm. That's not why this is authoritative. Now, that may be true. You can read this and get inspired. I mean, every Christian that's ever lived probably has. But that is not what grants it its authority. And some passages are much less inspiring than others. Look through the first seven chapters of First Chronicles and just go name after name after name that you can't even pronounce. That's not as inspiring as, say, the Sermon on the Mount or some of the Psalms. But that doesn't make it any less authoritative. So it's not inspiring that gives it authority. Scripture is also not a buffet. Who likes buffets? Okay, the rest of you, repent for lying. Everybody <laughs> loves buffets. What's there not to like about a buffet? Best buffet in Charlotte, Dragon Buffet. Love Dragon Buffet. Right up by Walmart. Go there after church today. I think half the last service is already there. Love the Dragon Buffet. Why? Well, one, you can eat all you want, but this isn't a message on gluttony. This is on authority. And the thing that's good about buffets is you don't have to eat what you don't want, Right? So I go, and I get there, and I get my rice, steamed, not fried. And then I say, oh, sesame chicken. Heck, yeah, put that on there. And then I'm like, oh, black pepper pork, what up? And put that on there, and then a little crab rangoon or something. Love those things. Vegetables, too. Got to have your greens. And uh, then I come to things that I'm like, egg foo young, eh, sushi, <laughs> no. Uh, certain things, anything coffee-flavored, which, why do they have that at Dragon Buffet? I don't know. But anything that I don't like, I don't have to eat. I can just say, nope, my chopsticks are going to go to the next thing. And a lot of times people do that with Scripture. They say, well, it's inspired. It's man's words about God. But, you know, people are flawed, and they were written a long time ago, and they didn't know everything. Uh, so we should just draw from it what we can. So I like this part about Jesus saying he's the light of the world and love your neighbor. I don't really like this part about saying if you've looked at someone lustfully, you've committed adultery. I'm going to pass that by. Um, this, ooh, I don't even like this whole section of the Bible. This Old Testament, ah, oh, God's just so angry. I'm just going to pass that over. I'm going to stick with the New Testament. No, we can't do that. Scripture's not a buffet. It's either all inspired or it's not inspired. It's either our authority or it's not our authority. I'll give you an example. Most of you don't know this, but I will be trying out for the Bobcats next season because I've got mad skills, my crossover, can't even touch it. And uh, I've read the rule book, NBA rule book, figure I should brush up on it. And I was looking through it, and there's a lot of rules. Did you know this? In basketball, there's a lot of rules. I hear there's even more in football. And I'm reading through it, and I'm thinking, okay, I saw one that said you can't hold the ball and take more than two steps. That's called walking. Okay, well, I can't do that. And you can't step over these lines called the boundaries, or you're out of bounds. What's that all about? See, the game of basketball is too beautiful. It's too pure to be cumbered, encumbered with all these rules and regulations, right? Plus, it was invented back in the 1800s. James Naismith, he didn't know what he was talking about. Early 1900s. I don't know. I should have known. Uh, you know, it's, we're beyond that. So if I want to walk, if I want to travel, you know, they should just see the beauty of it. No. How long would I last in the NBA if that's my outlook about this long? wouldn't even draw my first paycheck. I could not call myself an NBA player if I chose which rules I wanted to follow and which I didn't. Because I would either be benched or fired or both. 
And the same thing with scripture is that it's all or nothing. It's all inspired. It's not inspired. So it's not a buffet. We can't just say, oh, I like this one, but I don't really like this one. Unfortunately, a lot of Christians do that. And more unfortunately, a lot of Christian leaders do that. And that's inexcusable. So those are two things on the more theologically liberal side of the spectrum that are misunderstandings of what inspired me. It's not inspiring, and it's not a buffet. You can just choose and pick what you want. Let's go to the more conservative side. This is where it may get a little uncomfortable. Uh, good, godly, Bible-believing Christians make mistakes about inspiration of Scripture all the time. And I want to look at two of them because they're so common. One is that they think Scripture is divinely dictated. They're, the prophets and apostles were just basically spiritual stenographers, and they just kind of did that thing on the little thing that the stenographers do. What is that? I don't even know. But they're just like, and they get everything. So they don't even know what they're writing. You know, they're just thinking of sheep and pastures and whatever else, and God just says, you're going to write what I tell you, and they just start writing it out, and then boom, Scripture. A lot of people think that way. Unfortunately, that's not what Scripture is. It wasn't divinely dictated. Some things were, but Scripture makes the point that says, write this down, and then God said, but not all of it. We get things like Paul's opinion. We get things like kind of advice. We get things that aren't even true that somebody who's not a follower of God is saying, but it's contained in Scripture. A lot of things going on. It's not a divine dictation. That's actually, if you have Muslim friends, that is what Muslims do believe about the Quran. The Quran was divinely dictated, supposedly, according to Islamic teaching, through the angel Jibreel, or in our language, Gabriel, to Muhammad. And the very words he wrote, because Muhammad was apparently illiterate, they say that's why it's a miracle. He's illiterate and he produced this and it's beautiful. And, it's a, and that's what Muslims believe. Ask your Muslim friends if you have any. If you don't have any, make some. They're nice people. And ask them, what do you believe about your Quran? And they'll tell you that. But that's not what Christians believe about Scripture. And we've never believed that about Scripture. As a church, the church has never held that Scripture is divinely dictated, word for word. The other one, and this one's the more dangerous because it's the easiest to do. Scripture is not a magic book. And by that, I mean there is nothing inherently magical about this. This is cheap leather, paper, and ink with weird silver stuff around the sides. I don't know why. But that's all this is. This is there's nothing magical about this. But sometimes people just treat it as it's this otherworldly, this don't touch it, don't even draw. Oh, you're going to drop it out, you know, and just go crazy over it. It's not. Yes, it's the Word of God, but it's not magical. Here's where it's even more important. Lord, I'm thinking of changing jobs. What do you have to say? <laughs> but with one accord, they too had broken off the yoke and torn off the bonds. Thank you, I'll be a bail bondsman. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> I tore off the yoke. No, that's not. That, I mean, yeah, we've all done that. You've done that, haven't you? Lord, I need some help. And you don't want to actually think about what Scripture says about it as a whole. So you just say, Lord, give me a quick fix. Oh, here we go. Um, and if it's not right the first time we try it again, okay, Lord, really? <laughs> Scripture's not made to be read that way. It never was intended to be read that way. Ever. But we do that because we treat this as if it's got magical powers. And it doesn't. That's not what inspiration means either. Okay, so we know what it doesn't mean. What does inspiration mean? Well, back to Paul's passage to Timothy. He says, all Scripture is, and he uses that phrase, God-breathed. And here's your Greek for the day. Theopneustos. Say it. Theopneustos. 
That was terrible. Um, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. That's pretty good, actually. Theopneustas. Uh, and it literally means God breathed. And Paul would do this a lot. Okay, Paul was a Jew, a Pharisee, Hebrew mindset, knew the Hebrew Bible, but he was writing in Greek to mostly Greek audiences. So sometimes the Greek language didn't have certain words that the Hebrew Bible had or concepts. So Paul would just make it up. And I'm pretty sure, I haven't had time to double check, but I am 99% sure that he made this term up. If he didn't, he pulled it out of the dustbin of grammar and just stuck it in there because this is not a very common word. But it implies the, the Hebrew understanding of God breathing. All Scripture is inspired, literally breathed into. So when we say Scripture is the authority, it's because it's inspired. It's God breathed. Okay, so we can all go home, right? No, because that's only halfway through. Okay, God breathed. Yeehaw, what does that mean? It's just another way of saying inspired. No, what it means is that Scripture is 100% human and 100% divine. Scripture is 100% the words of men and sometimes women and 100% the words of God. Both. Now, some people have a problem. They say, no, 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 no. God, if it's God's word, it can't have any human involvement because humans are flawed. And humans are going to make mistakes. And that means that there'd be mistakes in the Bible. Really? How many mistakes did Jesus make? Was Jesus 100% human? Yeah. Was he 100% divine? Absolutely. So just because something's human doesn't necessarily negate it being divine. And just because it's divine doesn't mean that it can't have a trace of humanity in it. In fact, in fact if it didn't have humanity, it would be subhuman and it wouldn't be fully divine. No, God's chosen to give us scripture in a way that is entirely the work of men, women, and entirely his doing. Same time. Let me read somebody smarter than me that can explain this. J.I. Packer. Some of you may have read his, uh, any of his stuff, Experiencing God and, or Desiring God. Um, he's a British theologian, works out in Vancouver. He wrote this on the inspiration of scripture. And this is on the handout that you've gotten um, he says, Scripture is not only man's word, the fruit of human thought, premeditation, and art, but also and equally God's word, spoken through man's lips or written with man's pen. Biblical inspiration should be defined as the whole process whereby God moved these men whom he had chosen and prepared to write exactly what he wanted written for the communication of saving knowledge to his people and through them to the world. Catch that? That's kind of dense. So I printed it so you could reread it. But what he's saying is, is God moved through the writers of Scripture. It was still his doing. It's still his word, but he did it through them. So it still has their personality, their flavor. An older theologian, B.B. Warfield, right underneath that, I put his take on it because it's a lot more simple. <laughs> he says, if God wished to give his people a series of letters like Paul's, he prepared a Paul to write them. And the Paul he brought to the task was a Paul who spontaneously would write just such letters. Catch that? That's so deep. God in his infinite wisdom and his infinite sovereignty accomplished his purpose through the spontaneous writing of Paul to what he thought was just, I'm just teaching God's word. This is from the Lord. This is from the Holy Spirit. And God was like, I know. I'm the one that's giving it to you. Scripture, 100% human, 100% divine, so what? 
That's always the question that every sermon should leave you asking. So what? You can walk out of here and say, okay, fine, that's what Christians believe. That's what, okay, I believe that too, blah, blah, blah. Let's go eat a dragon buffet. You can do that if you want to. But the so what, back to the NBA rulebook analogy. If you're claiming to be a player, you've got to follow the rules of the game that you're playing. It's pretty clear. Um, if something is definitive for a group of people and you claim to be part of that group of people, then that has to be definitive for you. No vegetarian butchers. Why? Because being a butcher is directly opposed to being a vegetarian. Well, it's the same thing. No Christians who don't really believe Scripture has authority. It doesn't work that way. It can't work that way. Um, look at what Paul says to Timothy. But as for you, now this is Paul, the apostle. He has seen the risen Jesus. He has seen visions of heaven. He has done stuff that we won't even could imagine doing. He's writing this to Timothy. He says, but as for you, continue in what you have what learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you learned it, and how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Do you see all those active verbs? Learn, become convinced of. See, scripture is 100% human. So that means it was written through humans in human language, human genre, human culture. And so we can't just do what a lot of us wish we could do, if we're honest, and say, Lord, just teach me your will. I don't really want to read it. I'd rather sit and listen to my Christian music in my Christian car with my Christian bumper sticker on my way to the Christian bookstore to buy a Precious Moments figurine or Christian graduation. That's what we want to do because that's comfortable and cozy and we don't have to do anything. We just... I love this, Lord. Just feed me, feed me, feed me. And God the whole time is going, I am feeding you. I'm feeding you by giving you a mind that can understand what I've written. If you want to know me, you have to know me in the way that I want you to know me. I don't want to just plug in like the Matrix and just download everything into your mind. I want you to read. I want you to seek. I want you to search. When we teach a class, Bible for the rest of us, in your bulletin you have an insert that looks like this. This is a course that we teach every six weeks or so here at Good Shepherd. Um, this is specifically to teach you how to begin to start doing that, to get to know God on his terms rather than on our terms. Because the Bible is real confusing. I mean, I, I study this full time and have for a decade now, in the original languages even now, and, and it's still confusing. How much more so for those who, don't even, who are raising families and working and don't have time for any of the luxuries of seminary and concordances and commentaries and all that? No. So... At Good Shepherd, one of the things that we have pledged to do, and I'm so proud of us as a church, is that we believe that if Scripture is our authority, then everybody here, whether you're a believer or not, deserves to know that authority as much, as deeply, as thoroughly as you can. That's why we offer classes. That's why we teach biblical Hebrew on a Saturday morning. You can come learn to read the Bible in Hebrew if you want. Not everybody does because not everybody is called to that level of commitment, but that's just an example of how far we will go to take you along this journey in Scripture because we believe it is our authority. Anything we say from this stage or from an instrument or in a classroom that has any meaning only has meaning because it comes from the authority of Jesus. And so we want to give that to you. Churches that hold this back and say, uh, just leave this for the preachers. We'll give you a sermon every week. No, 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 no. This is for everybody. If you're a Christian, it's your authority, and we want you to know your authority and become familiar and love the authority that God's put over us. So right knowing 
is a key to it. We got to know it. But we also have to do it. Look at what Paul says. Very same uh, passage, next breath. He says, all scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. You catch that last part? The reason that we know Scripture is so we can live Scripture. And the reason that we live Scripture is so people around us can see us living Scripture, living under authority, and they can want to, or hopefully we'll say, who is this authority? Who are they? What makes them different? Why are they like this? That's the plan anyway. And that's why it's such tragic when churches abandon Scripture as authority because then the churches die. It's no coincidence that churches that hold up biblical authority are busting at the seams and churches that have decided we're more advanced and you know, we, we're going to leave this as it is, a nice little book, and we're just going to give a sermon, they're dying left and right, including within our own denomination. But what's to be expected? If you reject knowing it and you reject living it, then you're rejecting the authority altogether. And we don't ever want to do that at Good Shepherd. We will always put ourselves under this. That's why Talbot raises it every week. That's why everything that we say and do will be grounded in this as to the best of our abilities. Yes, rightly interpreted is always the goal, and, and there can be different interpretations and all of that. And these are all nuances that, that I can't even begin to address here in such a short amount of time. But that's our pledge as a church. It's our authority. We take it seriously, and we want to share it. It's very interesting. This is a coincidence I pointed out. Bible for the rest of us. Knowing, right on the back, you can sign up for prayer vigil. Doing. One of the most basic things that God calls us people to do is pray. And it just happened to be printed on the same insert today. I thought that was pretty cool. Knowing and doing, both of it. Got to know it, got to live it. Let me see if I can think of one more example that will emphasize the point that if we're followers of Jesus, Scripture is our authority. Um, about a month ago, I got my North Carolina driver's license after living here four years. <laughs> got to test it out, you know, see if I'm... No, there's a number of reasons, but one of the reasons why it took so long is because I went one time and didn't have every possible form of identification imaginable, didn't have my belt size in my sixth grade reading report, and so they didn't let me get it. Um, oh, I hate... I don't hate. I severely dislike the DMV. I thought the other side was it, it makes me want to rethink whether I believe in purgatory or not, is when I go to the DMV. But I go, I get my stuff, I go back the second time, I take the test, they look at my eyes, and they, you know, can you read this? And, and then I have to take a written test. Well, to prepare for that test, you get a, a book, the North Carolina Driver's License Rules and Regulations. And so I'm reading that, and... Uh, I'm thinking, okay, this is what's required for me to be a North Carolina driver. So if I'm going to be a North Carolina driver, I've got to obey these rules. I can't do donuts in the middle of 160. I, I can't do that. I can't come to a complete stop on the interstate just because I saw a cool cow in a field and want to look at it. I can't do these things because it's against the law. The law is the authority on the road. And to get a license to, get, to drive, I have to submit to that authority. Now, I'm free not to. And here's the key. I'm free to not obey those rules. I am free. I can walk out of here, get in my Jeep, and just tear out 90 miles an hour, spinning out, swerving, aiming for mailboxes, doing whatever. I can do that. I am free to do that. And I will 
quickly go to jail or pay a big fine or both. But I'm free to do it. There's consequences when I'm under authority. If I break or, or disobey earthly authority that I'm underneath, I go before the judge. And he decides what degree my fate is. If that's the case with earthly authority, how much more with spiritual authority? When we do go before the judge, we all will, um, and have to explain to him why we rejected that authority, whether through not knowing or not doing or both. And so if you're in here, if you're a Christian, think really hard this week and as you leave today about is Scripture, is the authority of Jesus communicated through Scripture, is this the basis for all I believe, for my faith? Or is it something else? If you're not a believer in here, if you're not a Christian, one, we're so glad to have you. You're welcome here anytime the doors are open. But just know that you're going to come to a place where this is what we believe. We believe that, yes, Scripture is our authority. For a Christian, it's a non-negotiable. It's a root. And the roots are connected. They go to the same tree. You can't have a, a salvation and creation without authority. You can't have authority without creation, salvation, vice versa. They're, they're all interwoven. They're roots. They're, you know, roots. They're all gnarled together. Uh, that's our authority. We believe it. We preach it. We teach it. And hopefully we live it. So know that if you're not a believer, that that's what you're coming to. And, and like I said, we love that you're here. There's no real, uh, we thought, of, when I was thinking how to bring it to a close, um, nothing special out of the ordinary other than just wrestling with this message because it's a significant thing to think about. Is this my authority? And if so, why? And have I come to grips with it? But we want to end that way. I want to end it, and I'll just say on a personal note, this is the authority for everything I do. And the day Good Shepherd gets away from this is the day they find a new discipleship pastor. Because this is what we live and breathe because God breathed into it. And then we take it and we share with the world. That's what we want to be at Good Shepherd. And we hope you'll join us with it. Let's pray. Lord, help us with authority. We naturally bristle against that term. We're rebellious by nature. Help us to see that your authority is real authority. It's authority that frees and liberates and doesn't restrict and bind. Lord, wherever we are in our understanding of Scripture, take us deeper. Whether we've never cracked the cover of a Bible or whether we've been studying it for years and years, take us deeper. Not out of obligation, but out of a passion and a love for what you've chosen to give us. And help us to take it on your terms, not ours. Submitting to authority requires humility, Lord, and that's something we're not good at. Holy Spirit, will you infuse in us an extra measure of grace and humility with ourselves, with one another, as we wrestle with what it means to live as a people under authority. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for everything you've given us. Bring us back safely next week as a community. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a great Sunday.